0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Praise the Lord. Y'all look good this morning. Praise God. You like my Valentine outfit? I spake hi to my Valentine. All those on live stream, bless you this morning. I trust you being able to experience the flow of the Holy Spirit in the presence. I love all that, how it just kind of, he does that every week. It's so good. We don't have to constrain him, he can do, we just got to listen and follow and see what he's doing. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you this morning for your amazing grace that the, the whole process of that love story, you just explain it to our hearts this morning. Lord, I ask that you would bring revelation to your word. We know that Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, the Word of God is active, it's alive, and it's full of living power, and it's able to cut between the soulish realm and the spirit. Would you do that this morning, Lord? Would you hide us from anything that would try to deceive, distort, or distract, confuse, or manipulate? And Lord, in the name of Jesus, give us the revelation of wisdom. Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says, the secret things belong to the Lord. And it's our privilege to search them out, and then they become a legacy and inheritance for our children forever. So we thank you. Proverbs says that it's the privilege of the Lord to conceal a thing and the privilege of kings to search it out. Then in Revelation 1.6, he says, you're a king and you're a priest. Figure that out. Wow. So Lord, I thank you this morning for that wisdom. I know we're diving deep. I've had a lot of comments. um, I'm going to do my best to. Uh, I don't know if we'll finish today. We'll see how it goes. I, this is such a, a revelatory story, I believe, of where we're at that I just, um, we just want to unpack it more. And so you're going to need, if you don't have a copy of the outline, we have them. You're going to need it. Get a pen, write some additional notes to it, turn it over. You, you got to study this for yourself. And if it doesn't line up with Scripture, throw it out. That's, you know, but if it does, ho oh, oh, ho, let's go. So let me summarize kind of the last couple of weeks of where we've been we've been walking. Uh, the title of the message is Faith is the Substance, and I want to emphasize the substance, right? It's not a substance. It's not one of the substance. It's not just one ingredient. No, it is the substance, right? And so, we know that from Hebrews 1, it is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that are not seen. So, we, uh, we looked at uh, the, in the place in Romans chapter 1, we categorized three categories of people that are in Romans chapter one. Right, there's the Bible believers. I'm gonna make an assumption that those that are tuned in or you hear that you're a Bible believer, because you probably wouldn't stay if not. Well, you might be a searcher. You might be seeking, that's right. And so, we invite you to be part of that. Seek and search and find. And so, but there's the first category is that there's a Bible believers that we know that it's God-centered, right? Then there's the second category in Romans one is the humanistic ones, the, the ones that are, that are man-centered, and we spent some time on that. And then there's, unfortunately, there are the reprobates. That word specifically used there, they are the ones that are evil, they're wicked, and they actually teach evil to others. They, don't, they, they know there's a God, and they've absolutely shut Him off, and uh, it's a scary place when you, when you see that happen in people's lives. And so, we looked at those three categories, but we then focused on the fact that creation brings revelation to God. Romans 1 says, you're going to be without excuse. If you want to uh, try to stand before God and give Him a reason as to why you didn't believe what was in His Word, He says, you're without excuse. You don't even need the Word, just go outside and look. He says that revelation of, of the, the creation itself reveals who He is. And so, then we looked at the natural laws, we said, look, it's so easy for us, and, and number one there, and the natural laws, gravity, aerodynamics, electricity. My secretary looked at me weird and said, F equals MA, voltage equals current times resistance. She even called my wife and said, you need to read his sermon. I don't understand one-third of it. I said, come on now. It's not that mysterious. But we know that there are natural laws, and you operate in the natural laws. When you put your your, your your food in the microwave and push the button, you don't have to understand what happens. It does something to it, and it comes out hot, right? It vibrates it, right? And and then, you know, if you… well." well and if you don't believe in the natural laws, too bad. If you stick your nose or your finger in the socket, guess what? You become a, a grounding source that will, well, what if I don't believe it? doesn't matter if you believe it. It's a natural law. And so the, uh, the little young lady who came back from college and told her grandma, who was a spirit-filled believer, and told her, she's sitting on the rocking chair, Grandma, I've been in college, I've learned some things, and I don't believe there's a hell anymore. And Grandma just said, well, honey, just because you don't believe it, don't put the fire out. Right? So there's this thing, well, I don't believe it. It is what it is. And we're going to find out that in the law of faith, this is in Romans chapter 3, the law of faith operates similarly into the law of the natural. But we have this thing about, well, I was like, well, that's kind of mysterious, and I don't... Well, I want you to just relax, and let's open our hearts to the realm of the Spirit through the Word. And so... We've got to learn, we, we looked at number three there, we said we have, you know, it's, it's, we read the scriptures and it's like, yeah, we believe that. But if you look at number two there, the natural laws are superseded by the spirit laws, right? We know that Jesus and Peter walked on the water, and we believe that. Amen. Moses prayed or believed and lifted his staff and the Red Sea parted, right? Elisha floated axe heads, Paul and Silas worshiped and prison doors opened, Right? Whole people got saved, all the jailer and everybody got saved. We got um, the place where the locking up of Peter, he's in jail, right? And what do they They pray, and the doors unlock, and they don't even believe it because Rhoda goes to the door. He's knocking on the door. It's me because Peter, had the, and the church is so busy praying, they can't believe what they were praying for because he's at the door. I mean, what's, there's something wrong with that, Right? <laughs> What are we praying for <laughs> if, we, if we don't believe? So we, we, we come to this mentalist and Oh, yeah, that's in the Scriptures. Well, look, why don't we bring it right here? And we talked about in number three, you've got to learn the language of the kingdom. And I broke Willie's heart when I told Pastor Willie's heart when I told him it wasn't Spanish. And it's not English, right? So we have to understand the language of the kingdom. And that's why it says in Hebrews 5.14, train your senses, right? He goes through this whole part and all that chapter in Hebrews five. He gets to that point with, I wish you were eating meat that you're not sucking on bottles. I wish you'd grow up and become mature. And it, but then he gets to that after he finishes that convicting sermon, and he says, train your senses. The mature believers have trained their senses to discern good and evil. King James says, by reason of use, mature believers have trained their senses. So as mature believers, you got to pay attention. How does God speak to you? Like right now, I'm being electrocuted. My, uh, the, that's one of the ways I get communication from the kingdom that he just like, Whoa. he says, that's truth. I like it. That's how he speaks to me. Some of you have different methods. Some, what I'm asking you to do is ask the Holy Spirit to communicate to you, how do I know that you're in the room right now with me and you're speaking, you're directing me? You're going to need it. In the days to come, the church is going to have to grow up in this language. And it's not mysterious. It's part of the, what, how the king operates, right? And so, learn the kingdom communication, training your senses there in, 1A, in 3A. It has to be received as a little child. It's amazing that um, if you don't receive it as a little… If you don't receive the kingdom of God as a child, you will not enter the kingdom. That's exact quotes from Jesus. That's why I study my little grandkids. I, I like how they… You know, I want to see what they're doing. Because if you can't become like them in that innocence, and I shared with you last week, when, I, when Papa tells them something, whether it's spiritual, about Jesus, or about the natural, they believe me. Why don't we believe Papa? Right? And so, now there's times when we want to rebel, right? There's this, this place when my, the one-year-old, little Rosalie, she's like, ooh, this little Latina, she's like, got her, we're like, wow, that's going to be some woman there. She'll come over and, don't touch the hot stove. I said, don't touch the hot stove. (laughs) Ah, Papa, Papa don't love me. Papa loves you very much. Don't touch the hot stove. Now, I could have said, Rosalie, I want you to listen to me if you touch that stove, it's over 300 degrees Fahrenheit, you're going to get a third degree burn, and you're going to have to skin graft to you. She'll go, <laughs> right? She's going to look at me like, that's exactly where we are. There, are. there are communications in the Scriptures that were given at that time culturally where they were at. The, the example, um, I, I used this last week, but let me, let me elaborate. Um, in the Scripture, it says in the Old Testament, don't touch a leper, you'll become unclean don't touch a dead body, you become unclean. It's in the Word. Well, He could have, said, he could have written in the Word. Moses comes down from the mountain. He comes down and says, don't touch a leper. What will happen is an invisible virus will attach you, attack you biologically. Your immune system will become compromised, and you'll be getting… They're like, immune system virus. And right away, they would have probably dismissed all that. But now, as we have progressed in the revelation knowledge that's come down, because all good gifts come down from the Father of Lights, right? So, as we progress, oh, now we understand what viruses are and biology. and So, we've now moved in that place where this understanding of where we're going in the Scriptures, science is proving more and more that this Word is true. It's just amazing. Uh, one of the guys sent me, Dell sent me some stuff uh, about archaeological finds on the city of Zion. Just so happy we were praying about that the other day, the city of David, and they've now dug it up, and they found that inside of Jerusalem is the city of Zion where David was, and they're finding all the, so it's like all the naysayers and no, that's not in the book. Well, guess what? It's in the book, all right? It was there, and actually, you're catching up with the book, right? So, there are these, um, there's this place where we just need to believe what God said, Because we know, number four there, beliefs produce. Because matter obeys words spoken from the realm of faith. Right? God said, let there be light. I read this morning, I've been researching, going wild on some of this stuff. They're finding out that the universe is still expanding at 186,000 miles per second. He never called back the word. That's enough. How much universe does he need? He said, let there be light, and there still is. And they're trying to figure it out. They're so stymied, they can't figure it out. So there's this place where, okay, so God spoke the word. We've been created in his image. Therefore, you have authority as well. We're going to talk, go into this deeper. Right now, I'm still just summarizing. So let's, let's look at these words of faith obeying knowledge words spoken from the realm. We talked about the realm. The realm is, the, is a kingdom. It is the realm of a king, and we know who he is, King Jesus. Whether you believe it or not, right, one day every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. And so, let's, um, let's start with a couple of, let's lay some groundwork scripturally here. You don't have to turn here, but remember in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 29, the two blind men come. It's right after the chapter where Jesus supernaturally heals the woman with the issue of blood, the demoniac with thousands of demons, right, and the the ruler of the king of the synagogue whose daughter has is dying or has died, and uh, Jesus miraculously does well. Right after that, these two blind men follow Jesus into the house, and in this Matthew 9, he says, "What what is it that you want from me? We want to see." Jesus asked an interesting question. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, and he said this, quote, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to your faith, do you believe? Yes, we believe, Lord, that you're able to do this according to your faith, and they they could see. So there's this place where we speak these words and they produce, but there's a connection. We're going to unpack, I asked for you to do your homework, right, to study Matthew 11. That whole script, what were the parts of Matthew 11 in casting the, the mountain into the sea? We're going to unpack some of this. So let's turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 1, kind of our foundational scripture. I'm sorry, Hebrews 11 verse 1. In Hebrews 11 in verse 1, I want to read the first Three verses there. Hebrews 11, verse 1. I've got a parallel Bible, so I have the New Living Translation, which is the thought for thought. And I have the King James from the 1600s, the word for word translation. I like to kind of look at both. You may have a different translation, but let's look at Hebrews 11, one. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For it, by the elders, obtained a good report. would you like to know how the elders got a good report? <laughs> That'd be good. Through faith. Oh, verse 3. Through faith we understand, that's a key, through faith we understand that the worlds, plural, were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made by things which, we, which do appear. Then it goes on, it says, by faith, Abel, and it starts to list what the elders got their good report. Enoch was the first one raptured, translated, we see that. He walked with God. He was... But then in verse 6, it says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those or them that diligently seek him. He rewards the diligent seekers but it's through faith. So we see this in Hebrews 1, that the worlds were framed by that which is not seen. Okay, now turn back to Luke chapter 17. In Luke 17, interesting scripture here. We touched on it last week. We're going to dive deeper into this whole concept of quantum faith. In Luke 17... If you look at verse 1, the disciples, Jesus is about to teach them about forgiveness and faith. I want you to see a link between forgiveness and faith. You're going to see it both in Mark's gospel and in Luke 17 here. But in verse 1, it says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, there will always be temptations to sin, but sorrow awaits the person who does, does the tempting. It would be better to be thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. What one to those who are abusing little ones? It's going to be better. You had never been born, unless you come to Christ. All right, we'll leave that there as a separate rabbit trail. Um, then he goes on and says, if another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then, if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Quote. And the apostles said to the Lord, Show us how to increase our faith. I don't know about you, I said this last week, but if someone comes to you and wrongs you in the morning and says, I'm sorry, then in a couple of hours later, wrongs you again, I'm sorry. At noontime, wrongs you again, the same, I'm sorry. Does this seven times. I don't know about you, but about the second time, the flesh side of me is about ready to bless you with a brick. I, or I'm not going to forgive you, right? Because you, you obviously don't mean what you say. We'd go on, right? In the, in the natural side of it, we'd say, you don't mean it. Don't and yet, they realized, I can't do this, God. What you're saying, I can't do this. you got to increase our faith. So there's something about forgiveness and faith and quantum faith, you're going to see a connection here because he does it again in Mark chapter 11. So I want us to see that this moving of the presence. And Now, I just want to finish something else in here. It says, show us how and increase our faith. And then Jesus teaches in verse 6 of Luke 17. It's like, wait a second. You don't need a lot of faith. All you need is mustard seed side. I, again, I know it's small, <laughs> But you need a lot of it, but you only need a little bit of it in order to forgive that seven times. Then he says this, you see, if you had that faith the size of a mustard seed, you could tell this mulberry, you could say to the mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would obey you. Now, that's just, I just got to tell you, that's just plum weird, right? Just like it is in Mark 11, it says, you can speak to the mountain and go into the sea, now, I don't think God really wants us ripping up his trees and, and, you know, moving his mountains out of the way. It's almost like we, we almost might lose it at that point in, the, in the, the revelation. What is he trying to say to us? He's saying if you've got a hindrance in your life, if you've got a mountain in your life, you've got an obstacle that looks impossible to move. All you need is a little bit, and you speak to that thing, and it's got to move. That's, the con- that's what he's trying to do. With- so, don't tilt on the fact. He doesn't want his mountains and trees thrown around. He doesn't. He's just saying, look, I just want you to understand a little bit of faith and then con- the concept of this because all of us have these obstacles. We got them. And sometimes we get discouraged and we don't believe that all things are possible. It can be possible for anybody else, but n- not for me, right? That's a lie. And so... But then it's really, verse seven, I've often wondered about this one. Luke seven, he says, he tells about throwing the mulberry bush, forgiving seven times, and they ask for increased faith. And then he says this, which kind of means like, it almost seems like it's out of context. Verse seven, when a servant comes in from plowing and taking care of the sheep, does his master say, come and eat with me? No. He says, fix my meal, prepare my meal. Put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you will eat later. And does the master thank the servant? No. Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we're unworthy servants and who have simply done our duty. It's kind of like black and white. He's like, I want you to recognize I've told you, I've given you commands on this. So, you don't have to get a thank you from me if you obey what I told you to do. When we start operating in faith, that's why he got so frustrated in Mark chapter 9, right? When he, Jesus is up on the Mount of Transfiguration, this is like a really big deal. Both Peter and T- John talk about it as eyewitnesses at the end, just before they're dead, they're killed, or before John dies. He says, I was there as an eyewitness account at the Mount. I saw the Father. He came in the cloud. We saw with his own, our own eyes. So, Jesus is like... Woo-hoo! you know, Elijah and Moses there. Peter and James are probably coming down the mountain. Peter, James, and uh, John are coming down the mountain like, we were there, man. He'd tell them, don't tell anybody. Uh, you, you know Peter. <laughs> Come on. Hey, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and so who's the greatest? They argue about who's the greatest. So Jesus comes down off the mountain. It's an amazing time, and what happens? There's a man there Who went to the other nine and said, "Deliver my son from the demons that are trying to kill him," and they couldn't do it. And Jesus says, "You faithless and you perverse generation, how long do I have to put up with you? How long do I have to be with you? I gave you what I commanded you to do, like the servant. So do what he's do. What Papa said." But they didn't, and we're we're just like that. Come on. There's these there's this revelation of more of the kingdom of understanding. You know my story. If you read my book, my, my first trip my, to Brazil was like, God, I just got to see your power. I can't read Mark 16. I've now resigned from general lecture. I gave up my career. I'm now in this new career. And I'm here as a year and a pastor, and I don't have any signs following me. Mark 16 says, you'll cast out demons. You'll heal the sick. You'll handle deadly things without harm. And I like... Uh, This is, I got to do, and then Randy Clark came, and the elder said, go. So my prayer was, Lord, I just want to see your power. So the night in that back room with all the sick and dying that was there, and I'm the only pastor in the room with 11 of my, my, who were just as green as I was. And in comes the crippled, demonized woman. And I'm like, oh, Lord. And when she got out, of her chair, and walked, and the bones went straight. You can't ever unsee that. You cannot ever unsee that. The kingdom of God set that woman free. The demons were cast out. It was all the drama of Hollywood, of exorcism. Ah! And, like, and this brainiac over here is like going, this word? Like, In the name of Jesus. Ah! In the name of Jesus. And like, boom, boom, boom. It was like, oh, okay, I'm seeing your power, God. When you see that kind of revelation, you cannot, don't, you can never argue with your theology someone who's had an experience. Don't tell me the blind can't see, and that's old guard, that's cessationism. Oh, no, it's not. We have evidence of it, right? Anyway, I'm off on a track. But this is that place where we see here as servants, he said it, we need to believe it, don't expect to thank you from it. Do what He said, right? Do what Papa said. Okay. So when we look at Mark 11, let's, let's turn there. We'll unpack this. Turn back to Mark 11. And let's look at, at least, there's at least, I, I don't like formulas. I don't like condition because it has nothing. God just doesn't operate that way. But there are certainly principles just like stick your finger in the socket and you're grounded. It happens, right? Um. Step off the, I don't believe in gravity. Well, step off the roof and see how much you believe after that, right? It happens, right? And so, there's these principles that are in it. And so, in Mark 11, we know that in verse 15, well, let's look at verse 12. It's, again, familiar Scripture. Jesus is hungry because he's, he's the fully divine God-man who laid down His power, right, when He came, didn't lay down His divinity and was filled with the Holy Ghost after his baptism in Luke 3, and he now filled with the Holy Ghost, Luke 4, 1, is led by the Spirit into the desert, right? So we know that. We get to verse 12. It says, now the next morning, Jesus is hungry. He notices a fig tree in full leaf a little way off. He went to see him, and he couldn't find any figs in it. But it was too early, and it wasn't fig season. And you're like, why is Jesus picking on the fig tree? (laughs) Right? Why is he cursing that tree when you set up the natural order, oh God, and he's not your season? Because he's teaching us something. You better be in season all the time. There's a season coming where you need to be in season all the time. Don't tell me it's not the season to witness. The season has come. So it's, again, a principle that kind of tilts the natural. We're no longer operating. He's he's sharing a, a quantum faith example here that things in the natural will obey the spirit, so don't you get locked into the natural to keep you back from operating in the spirit realm. So he he curses the fig tree, and then he goes to the temple and has another great day, overthrows all the money changers because they're bilking all the people coming to get their their offerings, charging too much, and he turns it all over, and the priests are all upset, and by what authority? They want to kill him. Just a really good day in the kingdom, I guess. In verse 20... The next morning, as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered at the roots. Peter, got to be Peter, right? Peter, remembering what Jesus said to the tree the previous day, exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree that you cursed has withered and died. All the teaching points. There's at least five. is more probably here. Look at this. Number one. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. Okay. Principle, foundation. The faith, right? It is the principle. Have faith in God. He could have said a lot of things. He said, start with have faith in God. Not faith in humanism, not faith in science. Yes, these are things you can look at, but have faith in God, primary number one. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, I want you to emphasize the say, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it'll happen. But you must really believe, really believe. It means that different from believe and really believe? <laughs> no doubt. King James says, have no doubt in your heart and you shall believe. That's why they, the disciples said, Lord, help me with my unbelief or help me with my lack of faith because we got to have that gift. I think it was Bishop on Wednesday said, God loans you his faith. I love that. It's the currency between heaven and earth. And so that's that place. If you, if you like you guys that are into electrical stuff, when you plug your cell phone into the wall for the charger, it flows, the current flows into your f- cell phone battery, right? So there's a currency plan, there's a, there's a wire hookup, if you like it, the power system or the power lines from heaven to earth runs on the faith lines, right? That's how the hookup happens, and so, as he says, don't, don't, just speak to the mountain. you got to believe without doubting at all in your heart. Now, that's the part where it's like, help me, help me, Lord. He will. Just need a little mustard seed. And then he says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. I looked up that word. Wow. That's why we got to be really careful with what we pray. You can pray Christian witchcraft. You can curse things you should have no right cursing. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you're praying, first forgive. Here we go again. First forgive anyone you hold a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive you also. So I want you to see there, there are at least several categories of principles. But let me try to clarify something first. True faith is not a belief in faith. Okay? Okay? It's not faith as some force or some magic thing or like some conjured up. No, it's not. It's not some faith in God. (laughs) Faith in God, verse 22. The substance of faith is the work of God that's within our hearts, right? And I know he's beginning this work. He's performing it, Philippians 1, 6. A divine awareness is imparted to us in our hearts through our prayers expecting them to be answered but it's got to be knit together by the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is the one we're going we're gonna to touch on it. But in, um, in Romans 12, 3, it says, you ought to measure yourself by how much faith God's giving you. People measure themselves with money and possessions and degrees. and He said, oh, no, no. Go look at that. In Romans 12, 3, measure yourself or be measured by how much faith God has given you. That's an interesting word. Now, it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God, Romans 10, 17. So, right now, you're hearing the Word of God, right? You're being inundated. I've got really good news for you. You're probably going to live longer. I'm going to show you an article. Those who regularly attend church or in volunteerism with church live, be- this, this I just studied about four or five different studies between 4 and 9.48 years longer than those who are atheists or don't believe at all. Why? This is i I'm going to show you a whole bunch of articles I've been researching all week. What is that? Because you're sitting on, you're singing songs. We're worshiping God. You are magnificent. You're all, and as you're singing and you're connecting, your matter is hearing the word and is responding at the lowest level of the atomic area, you're hearing the word in agreement. That's what's happening. They're starting to prove it. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to show you another article on the gift of tongues and what happens to people who speak in tongues. I'm telling you, these are connections that now are being formed. They're they're finding this out scientifically. They are doing brain imaging. And they are looking at the quadrants and the pattern of the brain as you're interacting. It's, incre- it's really exciting. Anyway, Lord, help me. Help us, Lord. There is this faith comes by hearing. So when you get hearing the Word of God, right? For those that are just listening, by, I got a Bible on my head. He says we're to be washed by the Word of God, right? We're to be washed by the Word of God. Renewing of your mind. As that's happening, see, that's why the Word is full of living power. The Word of God is active. It's alive. It's, it's alive. He's the Word. And the Word speaks. He likes to speak. And so, this activity that's going on, as, as, as I'm in that place, the matter that I'm made up, this dust of the earth I'm made up, it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, that's why you're alive. And you live longer than those who don't like the Word. So when you hear your word, the matter is changed. You 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 have this substance, right? In Hebrews chapter, he says, "Don't be." Uh, Ch- Hebrews chapter twelve, he says, "No." Romans chapter twelve, he says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, letting God change the way you think." If you will do this, His perfect will and plan for your life will be revealed. It's like this renewed mind. It's like, man, I was lo- I'm a, I was a creature lost, headed to hell, and He ga- He made me a new creature. And now I read it and, like, woohoo! Okay. Now let's turn to uh, Mark chapter 5. Just turn back a couple pages. I've already alluded to this one, but I just want to give you another example of supernatural. This is a great chapter to meditate on. It has the demonized guy with thousands of demons, and Jesus gets off the boat, and the demonized man runs to the feet of Jesus because no demon in hell can stop. The will of a person who's seeking Jesus, you can get to his feet, right? And he, of course, you know the story there, casts him out. There's a whole, um, there's a whole territorial spirit that's involved with that, but we won't go there. All right. And then you know that the woman with the issue of blood, I want to pick up, there's Jairus's daughter. He's the, he's the synagogue leader. His daughter's dying. He doesn't care about his job description anymore. You can fire me from being a Sadducee or a Pharisee. My daughter's dying and I'm getting to the man who can heal her right? Take my job. You know, it doesn't matter. That's my interpretation of that. And so, he the woman with the issue of blood, I want you to see in verse 27, Matthew, Mark 5, 27, when she had heard of Jesus, that's really important. See, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. She had heard about this Word, Jesus. That's primary one, number one. Number two, Most of the translations, she she had said to herself, it says in verse 26, she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Now, some of the other translations says she thought to herself. But I looked at a bunch of translations. I believe it's, did you ever talk to yourself? Come on, don't lie. I'm so glad they got Bluetooth things in phones now because, man, I, I, now, if you're hearing voices, other than the Lord, we, we need to come to prayer ministry. I'm not, okay. Um, we've dealt with that before. I'm not talking about that. I'm not being critical. But if you're, there, there's things David said in Psalm 103, listen up, soul. You look at Psalm 103. Over and over, he said, Tell, uh, he, his spirit tells his soul, you better listen. Your mind, your will, and your emotion, your soul needs to be talked to by the spirit of God and the spirit that lives within you. Because when, so going down the road and I'm praying, I'm like, they don't know. It used to probably be there like, there's that pastor and he's, there's nobody in that car with him, (laughs) right? It's like, but now we got Bluetooth, so you can be, you know, it's okay. So what I'm, my point is she heard and then she said to herself, if I can just touch his garment and you know the story, everybody's pressing around him, but there was only one in the crowd that had the act of faith operating, she had heard and said. And it's amazing. You look at all the translations. It says when she reached to him, when she got probably the part of his talik, when she got that, it says virtue left Jesus. Virtue left Jesus. Some says power left Jesus. And Jesus was like, Whew. can you imagine all of a sudden you get drained? Whoa. Like So in the natural Jesus, he, he had to go and pray. He had to get filled up again. At that moment, virtue left him. And he turns and he goes, power just left out of me. Somebody in faith has already operated here. It's, that, it's, the, it's the natural law of faith, right? It's that, that connection with the, with the socket. There's no control over. This is the law of faith. This is how it works in the kingdom. When you engage in that faith, it's flowing right? And so, she does, and it's and so instantly healed. Of course, you know, the rest of the story turns and, who touched me? And they're all like, Master, not another one of these lessons. Look at all the people touching you. You go, no, 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 the one who touched me, right? And so, and then he says to her, woman, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith. Now it doesn't say after 12 years of spending all of her money with doctors that she had any unforgiveness in her heart towards the doctors like, yeah, this healthcare system don't work, right? None of that, it was like, I've forgiven them, the doctors who messed this up and took my money or did their best, or what. there's none of that discussion. So one, we have to assume that I got to the end of myself and now I know I just heard this Jesus in town. And so we also know the same thing happened with Jairus. Right, his daughter dies. The naysayers are there. He throws out all the unbelievers. This is a good thing. Sometimes I dismiss people who don't have faith. If you're not here and you don't believe, God, would you mind just going out in the foyer because I got to engage faith here? We do that often because, because what happens with unbelief? You, you tell me that seems cruel, Pastor. No, it's not. It's biblical. Look at uh, look at Mark chapter six. Right, he goes to his hometown. They don't believe him. He's unable to do many miracles there. Because of their quote unbelief, they became so familiar with him, who he was as the carpenter's son. They, they couldn't. It's again here's the the application, of the quantum release of faith and the conditions associated with it. All right, so let's look. Let's go on. If you, I want to introduce another principle. He said to have faith in God. Well. Let's, let's turn to the outline for a minute. Let's go back to page one. I want to pick up here, and then we'll, we're going to dive, dive a little deeper. We see in number five, our words produce, things obey. We just, I just gave you examples of that scripturally, right? By faith we understand the worlds were framed. We read that in, in Hebrews. You can say to the mulberry bush, you can command the, the, the mountain into the sea. Because we know, look at the bottom there, D, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can tell what's really going on in a person's heart, what they really believe. Because he said in Proverbs 23, 7, as a person believes in their heart, so it is. Whether it's true or false. I mean, we've done hundreds and hundreds of deliverances, inner healings in different nations. And it's when when people believe they're going to be rejected or they're going to be abused, they're broke, they believe it. And guess what? They're, They're ensnared in it. So, what you believe matters, and what you say will come out, right? Before I was born again, if I hit my thumb with a hammer, some stuff would come out. (laughs) Praise the Lord now, I found another language. I don't want to hit myself at all, but you'll find what's down in there, you know? Go ahead and pinch that thing, or get in a situation where your, your relationships are being pinched, and you'll find out what's really down in there. When you get tested, you'll find out where the character is, what you really believe, right? Okay, so we understand all that. Okay, now let's go deeper. Turn the page. The words are your building blocks. In fact, it'll ruin or construct your life. We know that from James chapter 3, right? The tongue is like a, a little fire that can set your whole life on fire, right? We put these bits in horses' mouths to make them obey. But we should not be like that. It says a man or a woman who's spiritual can control their tongue. Well, look at these scriptures. Words are the building blocks, but look at A, 6A. There's life and death are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. The lips of the wise shall preserve them. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Those who control their tongue have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Boy, anybody ever had that one? I'm going to tell them what I think. That's probably not a wise idea. Quantum mechanics, quantum faith, number seven there. First, I want you to realize we are not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Got quiet in here. You don't remember remember the Wizard of Oz, right? When she gets lifted up out of this world and comes crashing down and kills the wicked witch of something... East or the West, I can't remember which one. I'm glad she's dead, right? And so, and then she gets out of the house and she's got a little toto there and says, We are not in Kansas anymore, toto, right? What I'm telling you is, this walk now that we're about to engage in is not of this world. You're not in Kansas anymore. This is a time for us to recognize that there's something going on that Lord wants us to. Now, we understand this. If you're scuba diving, I used to. I didn't scuba dive a lot because I almost died once, but anyway, when you're scuba diving, you put on a weight belt, you got your oxygen, you go down, and, or you go to outer space, you've got to adapt to a different environment. Yeah. Or what happens? You die. Yeah. Right? And so, recognize this is a journey that is not like anything you've experienced probably to any great measure, and we want more. Quantum mechanics, all right, let me, before, I want to just, I want to try to demystify this, because as soon as I said, Pat, I'm teaching, I'm teaching on quantum faith, you go, oh, boy. Quantum mechanics, quantum physics, uh, forget that. That's just a, that's a, that's a $10 word, okay? It, but here, quantum physics simply is physics that explains how everything works. It just explains how the things you can't see work. It's science catching up with what God already told us, right? It's the best description we have of the nature of particles that makes up matter and forces with which they interact. Quantum physics underlines how atoms work. It proves out chemistry, biology. So don't let the name, that fancy name, get you all messed up. You'll see how the Bible is explaining science as we move along. It's a way to communicate these principles in natural terms. And so, we recognize the example I gave you, we don't understand what was said in the Old Testament because they didn't have the wherewithal at that point, but now God has brought us to the place. I told you last week, one of the prophetic words that proves Jesus is coming back, and it's probably sooner than we really think, because all of the indications are that, but one of the major ones that Daniel had in Daniel chapter 12, he says, seal this book up until the end. But then when you see people running to and fro in the earth and knowledge increasing, you will know. And I gave you the statistics, right? Up till 1900, knowledge doubled every 100 years. Then in 1925, it was, it was 50 years. I don't remember the numbers. But now, right now, because of... Artificial intelligence and supercomputers. I remember when I started out in nuclear physics, we used to have these super, it was as large as this room. In Knowles Atomic Power Lab where I worked, we would go in and our scientists were trying to figure out how reactor cores work and how we're gonna advance that, right, how you could could refuel a nuclear submarine and go the life of a submarine. And they got these computers this big. I'm like, holy moly. Like, now, now you got your little cell phone, right? So what's happening, knowledge is now increasing every, it's doubling every 12 hours. Go look it up. Every 12 hours in a particular subject with all the corporation of that, uh, internet connections, that, if that doesn't say God's right, I think it's increased. <laughs> and, and guess what? They're, rowing, they're going all over the place. In the fact, they're going out of the earth. So I think we're, we might, that's just one. So quantum physics is just uh, trying to understand what's happening here. Well, I want to introduce a principle in quantum physics, quantum mechanics, quantum faith, called the observer effect. This is probably a really important element. It's not in your handout. I just want to explain it better. But you might write down the observer effect or principle of quantum physics. Let me try to simplify this. Um, When you know you're being watched or studied, do you behave differently? Yes. Don't lie now. Come on all y'all, right? You say, no, I'm the same inside as I'll say. Okay. Um, you're, when you know your boss is evaluating you, you your coffee break might be a little less, right? Um, you're not, when we are being observed, we do behave. Let, let's say, I'm going to your house today, right after lunch. Let's just go to your house. Uh, I'm going to come over for lunch. You might run home and get the underwear out of the corner, right, I don't know, maybe get the dust bunnies out of this. I don't know why, but it's just like, or my mother-in-law, when I, when I was dating my wife for 48 years ago, well, um, my, my, my valentine, when I would entertain her mother and father, and her, actually her grandparents, they were from Germany, and I came in my dress white uniform, right, because I wanted to make a good impression, right? Why not? And so, now I'm not talking about hypocrisy, but I want you to notice that when, you're, when you are being observed, you probably are aware of the observation, and you're at least, there's that back pressure there that you will respond. In fact, you will constrain yourself. You may not be the same with your pastor sitting in your living room than when he's not. I'm not saying you're doing anything wicked. It's just, it's just you're constrained, right? And so, this observer effect dynamically correlates in the supernatural walk of the Spirit. But there's, a, there's a, a, an interesting condition. The one who's observing has to be of higher authority than that which is being observed. Now, here's the principle. Are you created in God's image? That's what the book says, right? Genesis 1, God created them in God's image. Are you told to take dominion over the earth and subdue it? Right? Are you commanded... To speak things in faith. So those things that be not as though they were. So, okay, so you are already in a place of higher authority over matter. And so when we build on this principle of the observer effect, it is this mysterious foundational principle that when you observe something, we affect it. Just that the act of looking at it changes it. Here's what the physicist, this, this is what flipped the physicist out. Electrons exist in a wave of frequency until they're observed, and then they collapse into particles of matter. The act of observing collapses all possibilities distributed along the wave of possibilities, and it manifests and locks into a specific place and time as a single electron or photon. What happens is when you let's put this in our spiritual language, person comes up and says, "I have um, I have a tumor." Let's take the example, my first trip to Brazil. Phil Walls is in heaven. Um, the woman after we the woman got out of the wheelchair after we cast out demons from her and she forgave the all those who, and she is now walking and straightened up. And the faith in the room went to a whole, whole nother level. The atmosphere in that room changed. We saw a blind eye. And I remember a woman who had a goiter on the side of her neck. I'm not exaggerating. It was the size of a softball. And Phil was just a man of faith. And he's like, God's in the room. He was just one of these guys. God said it. He, you know, he would just do it, right? He goes on, In the name of Jesus. And that thing disappeared in our front of our very eyes. And I'm like, Did I even just see what I just saw? Am I awake? It was one of those nights where it's like, and I've been on it was, many of you have been with me on those. And so it's like, so we observe these changes that happen. So when you speak to the tumor, when you speak to that tumor, in the she first she came as a as a volunteer to come and I need, I need you to make this thing go away. And we spoke. So she had faith. She came expecting. There were people in the room that believed what God said. They spoke to it, and it disappeared. So these are what happened. There was a whole realm of possibilities. She could not be healed. It might be healed later. It doesn't have to be instantaneous. We know there are progressive healings. We've seen that take place. But there's this place, and sometimes he does it progressively just to find out, you really believe? And so this is that, this place where all the possibilities just got shrunk down to single it brought it into time and space here. This phenomenon is called wave uh, wave function collapse. All the re- all things are possible to those who believe, but all of a sudden, it comes into no. You're no longer behaving with all the possibilities. This is the possibility I now believe, and because I have authority from a higher place than you. You will submit. Right? Another scripture. Remember in Luke chapter 10 where he said the 72 go out. These are like inexperienced missionaries. (laughs) Sends them out and the 72 go out and they come back two by two. The first thing they tell Jesus is when we use your name, demons pay attention and listen and do what we tell them. He goes, I know. I saw Satan falling from the sky. What? Wait a minute. We're in a village with some sick folk. that we're, They're demonized. They've been dabbling with mediums and psychics. We've cast it out of them. And you see Jesus, Jesus? I see Satan falling. What is it? The kingdom of darkness is collapsing because you are operating at this level. Right? Who can tie up the strong man out right, of Matthew chapter 12? One who has a greater authority. Right? So you start putting all the pieces together. It's like, yes, yes. So, we see this phenomenon called wave function collapse. It is the focus of bringing what is unseen into the seen realm. Romans 4, 17, calling those things that be not as though they were. Right? He, he, he couldn't get, well, you know, when quantum physics, when you get there and the quantum mechanics, wave function is going to collapse and you're going to have the observer effect. No, no he goes, you're going to see things from the unseen world come into the seen world. All things are possible if you believe Okay, So this, this is a, an amazing thing. It says, by faith we understand that the, the worlds were created. So this quantum realm is the world of possibilities. The physicists, say, the physicists say that quantum dimension, all things are possible. We know that from Mark 9, Matthew 19. How about this one? The heavenly realms. Remember in Ephesians 1, 3? Turn, turn with me there for a minute. It'll, it'll bless you. Turn to Ephesians Oh, Lord, I'm running out of time. Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, heavenly realms. I like The New Living says, Praise be to God, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Remember, we're one with Christ, John 17, and you're a masterpiece. You're His masterpiece, it says there in Ephesians 2.10. So, He also says in Ephesians 2.6 that you are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. See, this is this whole concept of speaking from the third heaven. Remember when Paul said, I went to the third heaven, I don't know if I was in body or not, and I saw things I can't utter to you, I, I'm not permitted to tell you about? Remember he told us that in the book of Acts, right? So when we operate, no, oh, I'm in the physical realm right now, I'm standing right here speaking to you, and your little ear bone is vibrating, and it's transmitting to the gray matter in your head, and you're understanding what we're saying. Well, that ought to convince you God exists right there, but okay, so there's this place where... We're seated with him in the heavenly realms, therefore we operate from the third heaven to command these things because we have authority. I'm sitting next to my dad and my my Savior, and if he gives me the word, this is what I want you to do. Do you think it's going to obey? It sure is. The the challenge is, am I here? Am I praying amiss? James warns us, be careful. Don't be worldly. Don't be double-minded. Don't pray amiss. Don't pray for your own blessing, blessing, blessing all the time. Just Hear God, Jesus said, I don't do anything I don't hear and see. And once you line that up, I'm sitting right there in the heavenly realms. Now, I know this is like, whoo, it's, okay. I got to share some of these articles. You okay for a few more minutes? Okay. Um, so, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, in Hebrews 12, we won't turn there. Remember, it says, he's the author and the finisher of our faith in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Setting our minds on the Spirit, Romans 8. Because we're not looking at this, these unseen things. There's another scripture in 2 Corinthians 3.18 and 2 Corinthians 4.18. In both 2 Corinthians 3.18 and 4.18, it talks about, remember when Moses is up on the mountain and he comes down off the mountain and his face is glowing. What happened? He was with Jesus. Jesus. That's why I love what Daniel and is like, we got to get in his presence. Yeah, because things change when you're in his presence. So they had to cover up Moses because he, was, he had been in God's presence. His molecules were irradiating the kingdom of God. They had to wait for it to fade because they got to cover that guy up. He's scaring us. He says, we look at those things that are not seen but when, how about Caleb? How come his, Caleb's body, he's one of the, right, the guy, there's only two of them. They're 80, and what, he goes on, and all the rest die. And Caleb, what was Caleb doing? And Joshua, what were they doing? Joshua was in the tent of meeting. Even when Moses left the tent of meeting, he stayed there. Go look at that. It's like, he sat in, the, I like being in the presence there, right? And guess what? His body how about Moses? That scripture in Deuteronomy, it's in Exodus, it says Moses' eyesight and his body was as strong as when he had from the beginning, before God took him. Something about being in the presence of God, being in the Word of God, that not only could extend your life four to nine and a half years, there's something about this that, wow. Okay. Let's look at a couple of articles. This I'll try to be finished in 10 here. And I'll introduce this. We we'll probably have to go a little deeper next week. I'm going to probably go again next week, but let me introduce these. Um, the, the the first is on this observer effect, right? Looking at things. Let me let me bring it there now. Here's a whole article. Let me go negative first and then we'll go positive. Examining what correlates problematically p- between internet pornography users, what happens in the brain of porn. Lookers. Guess what? There's a reason he says the wages of sin is death, right? Romans 6.23. Because they have found out they took brain imaging, MRI imaging of drug addicts, and they looked at the central and rear lobes of those in those locations, and they found out that porn users have the same experience, and if you look at porn long enough, you will become addicted, and it actually will change your brain. So it's like, he said, Jesus started out, and he quoted in Exodus 20, if you commit adultery with a woman, right, don't do murder, don't kill, don't steal, don't have false witness, don't commit adultery. Jesus says in Matthew 5, You've heard it been said, don't commit adultery, but now I tell you, don't even look at the person lustfully, because when you look at that person lustfully, you engage a spirit that affects molecularly what is going to happen in your structure. The imaging of that, they, they've proven it. It's, when you look at it, it's like the demon of lust and the demon of pharmagia are very similar to the impact of the brain. Let me go positive. woo Got quiet in here. The, uh, the neuroscientific look at speaking in tongues. They've been brain imaging those who speak in tongues of faith. This is awesome. I love this. We're going to speak more in tongues. Okay? There's this, um, researchers in the University of Pennsylvania took brain images of women who spoke in tongues and found that their frontal lobes, the area of thinking, the willful part of the brain through which people can control what they do was quiet. The language centers were quiet, but the region of maintaining self-awareness, consciousness, was active. In other words, they're awake, they're not in a trance, but they're not thinking about it, and they're not trying to control it, <laughs> right? It says, the, region, the women were not in blind trances, and it was, it was very unclear to the researchers, what was driving this behavior? It's not natural. The images appearing in the current issue of the Journal of Psychiatry Research, Neuroimaging, pinpoints the most active areas of the brain. The images are the first of a kind taken during this spoken religious practice, which was at the roots of a New Testament Pentecostal movement in the 1900s. The women we studied were healthy, active churchgoers. One of the doctors said, in this study, the researchers using the imaging techniques could track the changes in the blood flow in the woman's brain under two conditions. They had them all sing a gospel song, and they wired them all up, and they now, when you're singing a gospel song, you're looking at it, you engage your brain, you're singing your hymn, right? And they mapped it. Then they said, okay, that's great. Now, go ahead and get yourself in a place where you want to speak to, in tongues. So, when they started speaking, by comparing the patterns of those that were speaking in tongues, that created by the, this, the emotional devotional activities, they couldn't pinpoint where the blood flow was coming from in the area of speaking with tongues. <laughs> the co-author in the study, who happens to be a born-again Christian, say, considers the ability to speak in tongues as a gift. Amen? That was Wednesday night. And said, you're aware of your surroundings... And you're not out of control, but you have no control of what's happening. You're just flowing. You're in a realm of peace and comfort. It's a fantastic stu- feeling. Contrary to what many perceive, we used to believe that those who speak in tongues would have mental issues. <laughs> a recent study of over 1,000 evangelical Christians found that these engaged in the practice were actually emotionally stable more stable than those who did not. Wow. The researchers have identified at least two forms of this practice. They watch the ecstatic tongue speakers, the ones that are like, <speaking in Spanish> and, and then those who are more subdued. <speaking in Spanish> and it was unchanged in the lobal measurements. So whether you're going active, and you're still connected with God, and so... These new findings contrasted sharply with images taken of other spiritually inspired mental states like meditation, those doing yoga. They were still mentally engaged. The lobes all lit up and different, different, different. Okay. Um, Wow. Here's the study of uh, religious affiliations. Those who are volunteers and in church, they live longer. You can go and look at that one. Oh man! Okay, we'll pick up next week. Praise the Lord. What What is What is God doing with us? God wants us. I I want you to practice this this week. Where get quiet with God, if and just recognize that science is catching up with a lot of what what he's told us already, and that what I'm I'm seeing is going to take place is our prayer. Our effectivity of prayer is going to change. Because we understand, we try to ask the Lord to demystify some of the uncertainty, recognizing it is, we have faith involved, but it were really His faith. And when we will forgive. If you've got anyone that you're not forgiven, you need to really deal with that. Really, that's, and we all have it. I mean, every one of us has been wounded. So, Lord, we just uh, come before you, we thank you. We thank you that uh, you're allowing the, says that all these good gifts, that all knowledge comes from you, all the goodness comes from you. There were trees in the garden. (laughs) And so, Lord, we thank you that you're going to give us greater and greater revelation so that our prayer life and the effect of our prayer life will connect us in ways that we will see miracles, that your people will be set free. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your truth that's being revealed. Not for our own glory, God, and not for any prideful place. We're just, we're like the servants who come in from the field and we make your dinner. We don't expect to thank you. We just did what you said. So, Lord, I thank you now, Father. Thank you for trusting us with this. And we give you praise in Jesus' name.